From the capital city, I'm Jordan Lewis. The Sea Alaska Heritage Institute has established the first ever registry of Clinkett clan crests and published a book of six clans and six clan crests documented for the project. It took about two years to create. The book was edited by SHI's senior ethnologist Chuck Smythe, PhD, and published through the Institute's Box of Knowledge series. Smythe explains what inspires him to study Clinkett culture. First of all, it's such a living culture. It's got a lot of complexity and nuance. There's just so much there. You dive into it, and one thing leads to another aspect of it. And it's just very rich. Its richness is what pulls me in all the time. The spirituality, too, is really very, very important and, I think, useful today. The relationship between people and and non-human beings. This is the purpose behind SHI's Clan Crest Registry. Well, it's to, it's to bring attention to to this aspect of clan crests and how how important they are to each clan. We also want to educate the public about them, the Singit people, to present the stories and and the names and the event that are memorialized in the crests. They're a lot more than just a design or or a representation of of an animal. There are over 200 clan crests, and this first registry focuses on six. Smythe gives insight into the process of editing and putting their registry together. We realize that it's important to express it in the words of clan leaders and knowledgeable clan information holders. We went into our archives and, and in some cases made recordings of people today who know a lot about a particular clan crest, pulled those out and are presenting one or two versions of each the origin of the clan crest. They went through videos, movies, written materials, and tape recordings. Some presentations utilized to create the registry came from Nora Dauenhauer and David Katzik. This is how the registry was funded. It was funded um, partly by SHI and partly by a grant from the Department of Interior National Park Service program grants to Indian tribes, Alaska Natives, and Native Hawaiian organizations. They have submitted information for another grant to add six more crests and six more clans. Smythe looks forward to create future registries as part of the Box of Knowledge series. The book is available through Sea Alaska Heritage Store, in person or online, for $10. The Kluan Shilkat is an eight-leg road bike relay from Haines Junction, Yukon, to coastal Haines, Alaska, that attracts joyriders and serious athletes alike. Online registration for the Kluan Shilkat International Bike Relay is now closed to two, four, and eight-person teams. Solo riders can still register until May 12th. Any interested teams are encouraged to check the KCIBR Facebook page for updates towards the end of May and early June, as some registered teams may choose to sell their spot. There are currently approximately 47 solos, 45 two-person teams, 86 four-person teams, and 89 eight-person teams. The congressional delegation met with Ukrainian leaders on a variety of topics, including military readiness, energy security, accountability of foreign assistance, and the rebuild of Ukraine. U.S. Senator Republican Lisa Murkowski joined U.S. Senator Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia and U.S. Senator Democrat Mark Kelly of Arizona in a visit to Ukraine. They were also joined by United 24 Ambassador, West Virginia native, and country music artist Brad Paisley. Murkowski, a senior member of the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, released the following statement on the importance of their visit. To, to fight back in every way, shape, and form. So to be here as part of this group, to show the support, but also to be able to take back to the Congress 
that what we have put forward, what we have put forward into this fight to support Ukraine is worth every penny of it. Coming up next on the News of the North with Jazz Garrett, Karina Weebold came on to Action Line to talk about articles in the Department of Labor's Trends magazine, and the Juno Community Foundation raised over $230,000 to feed Juno students and their families. Next on News of the North. You're listening to News of the North. Alaska Airlines has canceled about two dozen flights in Alaska because of an ash cloud from a Russian volcano. The canceled flights were to, from, and within the state. The volcano is on Russia's Kamchatka Peninsula, about 1,770 miles east of Anchorage. The volcano began erupting Tuesday and sent an ash cloud six miles into the air yesterday. The cancellations are out of safety concerns. Volcanic ash can cause cause a jet engine to shut down. Karina Weibold came on to Action Line to talk about articles in Department of Labor's Trends magazine. The first cruise ship for Juno is next week, April 17th. Just to be quick and big picture, we're expecting a very good year for tourism this year. There should be, if the boats are coming in full, a record number of cruise ship passengers coming through Juneau. 1.6 million cruise passengers are anticipated for the state this year. Most of them are in southeast, so when we looked at the numbers, 97, 98% of them go to Juneau. Uh, nearly 90% of them stop in Ketchikan. Uh, 78% or so go to Skagway and then all of our other communities get a lot fewer. Huna is one of the next biggest icy points straight and one of the next busiest stops and they only get about 20% of the traffic. Cruise ship visitors, they're coming to southeast. Some of them make it up to south central and get onto the land-based cruises and move into the interior like that but that's where we're at. She speaks to the impact of tourism across southeast. And when you think about the impact of cruise visitors on these local economies, it's really significant. Of course it's big in Juneau. We get most of the visitors but Juno has a pretty diverse um, economic base as well. We've got the state government um, capital here. We have a strong federal government presence. We have a university. So we have a lot of other things that keep things moving. Ketchikan, still, it's it's. F- a little less diverse, but they've got multiple things going on. But when you look at Skagway, that gets nearly 80% of the visitors, Skagway is heavily tourism dependent. That is the lifeblood of that community. There are a variety of factors that attract tourists to Alaska. And there's people who want to go to these very different places for really different reasons. Culture, animals, history, um, mentioned kind of recreating the Northwest Passage. There's a lot of things that get people interested in coming here. And particularly with some of these longer, month-long, very expensive cruises, they have historians and naturalists on board who are really talking them through what this whole situation looks like as they travel. The Juno Community Foundation raised over $230,000 to feed Juno students and families. Amy Skilbred, Executive Director of JCF, spoke to the process. We've been meeting with organizations who house those who are homeless and working on how to effectively reach functional zero in Juno for homelessness. As far as food insecurity, brought some folks together and we were talking at who work with providing food to people in Juno. And one of the things that came out of that, really addressing providing food for students and kids in Juno. Schools have become a primary source of nutrition for some children, with some kids only being able to eat at school. With winter break just weeks away, something needed to happen quickly for students to receive winter break food boxes. 
And this was just when sort of the SNAP benefits struggles had sort of started to emerge and people were starting to wonder when they were going to be getting their SNAP benefit. Food insecurity in town was actually just growing. We realized from the work that we'd done with the school district in providing funding for the Universal Breakfast Program for many years now, also providing funds for reduced lunches. And then we've also supported the weekend food bags And from that and from bringing the folks who actually do the work there together, we realized that one of the big holes were the vacations. There was no organization that had stepped up to be providing additional food for kids during that time. Scalebred says it took the community's support to make this happen. Volunteers, several of the Juno Douglas sports teams came and helped with preparing all the bags. The boys soccer team, I think there was a drill team and the basketball team. Coast Guard folks from Sector Juno volunteered and they drove around and delivered a lot of the bags, which was really wonderful. United Way helped out with having done this in the past. And then IGA Super Bear was just amazing. They will continue to feed Juno students and families for years down the line. If a student is in need of food delivered for the first week of summer break, they should reach out to their school's counselor. Parents can also call into the head office. Donate food to the Southeast Alaska Food Bank, or you can also donate to the Feeding Juno Kids Fund found on junocf.org. Never miss a story or a newscast at kinyradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jazz Garrett for News of the North.